What did you do after someone you trusted broke their promise? I'm talking about the high stakes stuff here. Agreements made with your most intimate loved ones. We've all had to experience that moment, right? A parent misses our big game. A best friend tells our most private secret to the class gossip. A partner finds solace in someone else's arms. Growing up, we spoke of the covenants between us and God. We being the lonely and lifeless, the sodden and sorrowful God, the origin, the giver, the redeemer. We established a covenant for both of us to keep. We hold up our end, and God provides grace to move forward. And what is our end? We are to believe. That's it. That is what's asked of us. Like Abram, who heard God say, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can. So shall your offspring be. And then the Bible says, Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. Just believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, Acts 16.31. Rise and go, your faith has made you well, Luke 17.19. Two blind men came to Jesus, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored, Matthew 9.29. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them, John 7.38. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9. So many promises for one simple act of pure belief. We were told faith as big as a mustard seed is enough. Faith like a child will get you there. I always believed. I believed these things exclusively. I believed in Jesus and like nothing else. I believed in the resurrection and the second coming and the flood and the virgin birth. I believed Samson slaughtered 1,000 dudes with nothing but a donkey's jawbone and that Jonah lived for 72 hours in the digestive juices of a whale's stomach. I believed three men walked away unburnt from inside a person-sized fiery furnace, and that God got so mad at two cities that he threw brimstone, whatever the hell that is, down at them from heaven. I believed in animals that talked, in disembodied hands that wrote messages on the wall, and in magic bread that spontaneously regenerated to match the size of the crowd that wanted to consume it. I believed these things because every person I knew for the first 18 years of my life believed them. I believed these things because the promises were so good and the alternative was so undesirable. Who wouldn't want to hang with Jesus in heaven and have all the promises of health and happiness here on earth too? 
And who wouldn't believe if unbelief meant woe, separation, sadness, illness, and damnation? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the promises that held me for so long. It's astonishing how earnestly we cling to a promise without requiring any evidence or delivery. To know what I mean, you don't need to look any further than the subset of Americans who prop up the current president with this unshakable faith that the wall will be built and that their jobs will return, that their taxes are gonna decrease while their quality of life improves, that America is gonna return to their understanding of what makes her great. They, they suffer long while he fails them time and again, while he actually plots against them, while he just completely obliterates their futures. They hold him up, they believe. Am I comparing God uh, with 45? <laughs> In so many ways, yes. Yes, I am. When I finally, finally, finally uh, released myself of the notion that the God I had known and loved and trusted was keeping the covenant that we had made, it became clear that I had to walk away. That didn't happen overnight. I've spent half my life trying to become a genuine heathen, and I've actually found it to be much harder than being a believer. But a covenant is sacred. No one makes a covenant lightly, and when it's broken, when one party breaks faith with the other, there's just no coming back from that. I mean, we try. We piece together shards of trust and faith and give second chance after second chance because we're afraid of what waits without the so-called security of that covenant. But when someone else breaks the covenant that we kept, when you believe but God disappears, you either go on pretending God is still there or you walk away. Heathen tells the stories of people who walked away. We're going to talk about why we made those choices and, and what happened in the aftermath. Some people interviewed on this podcast have come to new types of faith or made different covenants with different gods or, or even made covenants with each other instead of with God. Some people have found hope and healing afterward and others still wander and wonder what's to become of us. This podcast is a dream of mine. It's partly a relief and an outlet for some of the questions and resentments and, and disappointments that I've been holding on to since becoming a heathen. And it's also a line tossed out into an uncertain sea for anyone else who wants to grab hold and pull closer to people who feel something similar, who've gone through the process of losing faith, and who still want a community to call their own. I'm so happy to welcome you to Heathen, and I hope you find some godforsaken good here. Let's do this thing.
Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. Welcome to Heathen. You guys, this is a Heathen Podcast, and this is the very, very first episode. It's the very first time I'm sitting down with someone to have a conversation about this stuff. And um, I'm, like, nervous. I'm excited. I'm feeling a lot of things right now. My stomach is kind of kind of in knots. But it's okay, because we, we, we've got the wine in front of us. We have a full bottle ready to go. And, uh, yeah, this is happening. This podcast is happening. I am... Um, I, I've spent the better part of a year trying to figure out how to start this thing. And um, <laughs> once I finally did all the things that I could do uh, other than actually making the podcast, I was like, all right, I, like, I built the website. I've got the social media handles. I've done all the things. Like, it's just time to do it. I have no more excuses. So I sat down and I was like, who in my world is going to make for a really good conversation, but also like make it easy on me for my first time? <laughs> And uh, I'm sitting here across the table from her. Her name is Leanne Burton. She's a good friend. Um, although we, we were talking earlier, and it's been a, about a year since we were last hung out. So that's a pity. Crying shame. It is. But, but we're, uh, we're fixing that tonight. So Leanne, thank you for being here. I'm excited. <laughs> the thing I would um, love to give you first dibs at, rather than me trying to introduce and tell who you are, is to let you do that. So... Who are you, Leanne? What what would you like people to know about you before we dive into this conversation? Oh, goodness. Oh, I'm a San Diego transplant, but who is not? Mm. Right? Very true. Um, an army brat. Love it out here, though, in sunny San Diego. Married to my college boyfriend, because I'm boring like that. <laughs> We're coming up on 10 years. That's just had a deal. I know. Like way past the seven year itch. Right? Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, had our baby last year. She's almost a year old. Who I finally got to meet tonight for the first time because so the last time we hung out, you were great with child, as as they say. <laughs> great pumpkin I with think, child. I think only the Bible says that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm tracking. Yeah, um, yeah. So she's beautiful. Thank you. Little Margo. You might fun. you might be able to actually hear it. she's getting a bath right now. So I if you know. can hear her out there in podcast land, that's what's happening. She's having her hair washed. She's right? crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You and I over the years, we've been friends for how how long now? Like Oh my gosh. As long Christ. as I've we've known as long as we've known our mutual friend Joshua, right? That's so. right. Shout out to Joshua. <laughs> Hi, Joshua. For introducing us. <laughs> it was many moons ago. I want to say six, seven years ago. I, I might even go longer than that. Maybe. Yeah. It, I've been in. I've been in San Diego for twelve years now. So. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. It's been at then at least maybe seven-ish years. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Awesome. So. Yeah, uh, we 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 met through a, a mutual friend who came and and lived with me briefly, um, and I think the the big uh, the big funny moment with that was that when we met, we decided oh you know what we were meant to be friends like like we're gonna be way better friends than either <laughs> of us were with Joshua so <laughs> Joshua sorry once again but. Um, it's proof. It's proven to be true when we're together. Absolutely, we don't we don't get together as much as we should. But agreed, agreed. But it's quality time. Yeah, yes, in it the is. truest sense of the word, for sure. 
Um, so yeah. tell me a little bit, and I know we've talked about this over the years, but um, tell me a little bit about what kind of uh, what what your church experience was, mm-hmm. like what what religious traditions did you grow up in, and yeah, what did that look like for you? Oh goodness! I mean, I grew up in obviously I'm 35 too, so the 80s and 90s, so the height of sort of that. <clears throat> resurgence, if you would, probably of evangelical Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. The James Dobson, Jerry Falwell world that times were good in America and God was good and we were going to raise our kids in this Christian setting that was going to be, I think, more than just Sunday church, right? And I mean, obviously, that was the lens that. I had, but I do think that the church really grew to become in our lifetime, in our childhood, that kind of mega church um, grew to become something much bigger than God-fearing church-going people of the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, had that this sort of revival, this newest revival was... Exceptional, and I don't know if that was because the world was getting more global or, um, or what. But I remember my parents listening to things like old school radio before mm. podcasts, right? Like focus on the family <laughs> yes. and, um, and it just kind of infiltrating and affecting our home life. So I grew up as a evangelical Baptist, a garb Baptist uh, is what my dad is actually an ordained minister of. So he uh, went to seminary at what is now Cornerstone University, but back then it was Grand Rapids Baptist. Mm. And um, when he went into the army for the second time, he enlisted as an officer uh, in the chaplaincy. So my dad was a pastor for my whole life in the United States Army as a chaplain. And um, so I grew up in that really sort of um, not only conservative Christian home, but a conservative Christian home where we were actively being seen by our community as the family of Christians that were known mm. <laughs> right so like that the were pillars, known in, like those sure sure i was gonna say judged but i like pillars uh. <laughs> i like it yes gotcha. so um so yeah that was that was kind of how i grew up and that is also to say though i mean i i joke about the judgment but also to say kind of it was all encompassing and maybe a little bit for my family because my dad was in the ministry mm-hmm. actively but also because i do think that there has been this trend and this you know, this movement in the Christian church towards, you know, church being more than Sunday yeah, and church being more than, um, Sunday school or Wednesday prayer meeting, but it being your community, like you were saying, your friendship group, your community group, your neighbors, your church, it's all the same. It's all one and the same. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, yeah. but that was my experience growing up too, that the same people that... I went to church with, I also gravitated towards at school. Mm. I also gravitated towards in the neighborhood. If the people I knew at school or my neighborhood didn't go to church, I brought them to church. (laughs) And so it was like this grouping of, of, you know, we all have to be in this together. Yeah. And so for better or worse, I think that it touched every part of my life and every part of my family's life in a way that maybe 
you know, the Lutheran in 1960 did not have <laughs> that yeah. experience of. That's so true. Like what a different um, idea uh, or, or, or way to approach doing faith. Uh, but th- that, like you said, in the 60s, like, or, or just any, any time prior to the 80s, like you have a, a uh, religious practice that's, you know, liturgical or whatever. It's Absolutely. like, like you, you, you go on Sunday, you yeah. shake the preacher's hand, you go home, you have Sunday dinner and you go back to work. Mm-hmm. And how much does your relationship to the church or even people in the church really affect your every single life? Yeah. But I'm, I'm tracking with you because I'm, is that your experience oh my gosh, too? Yeah, like exactly the same. We, we were the quintessential, when the doors are open, we're there, um, you know, and, and the doors were open a lot. Like there's Absolutely. plenty of opportunity to participate in, um, uh, you know, Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday night prayer service and Saturday morning men's breakfast and Tuesday night Awana groups. And, you know, like it was Absolutely. <laughs> all the things. And, and yeah, it was a little bit incestuous in terms of, um, you know, squ- I, I went to a, my mom taught at a, a private uh, Christian school. So mm. we, we, you know, got to go there for free and just a handful of of people from our church were also at the school, but yeah, enough to where like, man, I just saw the same people. Yeah. All the time. And and that's, that was, that was the end of the world right there. Like there was no, nothing beyond that for me growing up. So did you guys have, um, you mentioned Dobson and focus (laughs) on the family and stuff. Did you guys get like the newsletter? um, Oh yeah. (laughs) Like with the, uh, (laughs) it had the movie reviews Oh yeah. 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 Like I, those, those were always, when that newsletter would come, I'd always try to get it before my mom, because (laughs) if there was a movie I wanted to see and she read the review that said, you know, Oh, it has like this many. Oh, swear words. Swear words. And, and, you know, so-and-so kisses and Mm -hmm. God forbid there be any actual like sexual situations because that was absolutely no. Dobson doesn't even watch those to review them. Let's be real. (laughs) That would be inappropriate. But do you know what he actually, I heard an interview with him where he was talking about like the epidemic of porn in America. This was Mm. a long time ago, a decade, two decades. I don't even know. But, um, he was on some presidential, uh, council that like some some council on porn in America that got pulled together. Um, I I maybe maybe Bush. I don't know. I don't know who this the president is weird. was. Okay. I know it's weird, and and I'll probably have to like Google all this just to make sure I'm not <laughs> completely bullshitting right now. But um, he was on this council that had to like assess the damage porn was doing to American families, basically. And he talked about like all the horrible things he had to watch, and it was he was just so scandalized. So you know, he's seen things. He's he's, he's <laughs> Dr. Dobson has seen some shit. You know what? Dobson will pray for you. Yeah. We're sorry about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, yeah, I I always had to get that newsletter out first so that my mom didn't see the the movie reviews because I I wanted to watch like, what was the um, speed? You know, I couldn't watch speed because she read something about really I don't think to this day I don't think I've seen Speed with Sandra Bullock oh, because it's such a good movie there was something about an upskirt shot or something listen like probably and you know what we're gonna totally watch that together can we can we please 100% do that? Okay. we're gonna skip Speed 2 because it really went downhill <laughs> the sequel, the sequel. if you can believe it <laughs> Keanu Reeves was really actually holding that together, not Sandra Bullock. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. But yes. Um, oh, I Dobson, he's 
shaped so much of everyone's childhood, I think, mm. who who grew up in the evangelical church there in the 80s and 90s. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I remember walking out of Fern Gully. My parents just literally got us up and walked us out because it was so new age. Did you say Fern Gully? Oh, I said Fern Gully. <laughs> My word. What, what was offensive? Just the new agey. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, spiritual nature, Mother Earth type thematic, you know, movie that Fern Gully was. <laughs> it just felt way too green PC liberal. Yeah. Okay. Mother Earth, God is dead for my parents. And we were like, mm-hmm. out. We're, we're out, out of here. Yeah, I remember my grandma took us to see The Lion King, and it was too violent. Ooh, my I, parents also felt that that circle of life was a bit new agey. Now, we were allowed to watch it, yeah. but it felt a little bit, you know. You know, it's so funny. I never even, like, think about that kind of stuff until, you know, you, you see oh, it through yes. the lens of somebody who, to whom that is, like, <clears throat> a big a big filter. Um, Absolutely. I don't know why that was such a big deal for my parents, but almost more than, mm-hmm. like, the violence. They were just very concerned about that and you know i feel like evolution was a big thing then Mm -hmm. too that people in the church were really sort of you know a science became this sort of antithetical response to the christian world which could be an entire other podcast it it probably is like somebody's (laughs) probably doing that podcast i hope they are oh lordy um truth versus not truth. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's what it's called. <laughs> but um, I think you just started it. <laughs> Check. <laughs> um, but yes, no, that was, so that was one of the big things I think my parents really kind of honed in on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, we, we had, uh, what is the guy's name? Ken Ham? Mm. You know, uh, I think that is his name. And he is a, like a Christian and a scientist who, um, and sorry if, if I have the name wrong. Um, actually, I can Google it while I'm talking, but he, um, uh, w- basically his whole mission was to go around debunking, uh, the theory of, uh, the theory of evolution. And we had not him, but I, like somebody from his institute or his team come to our church and give us a whole talk on, um, the By flood. The is only, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I it, was like the, that. it was the flood. It was, it, and, and how the flood, like scientifically, like we can, like the, we can prove basically it. the fossil record, like like proves that the flood happened and okay. yeah, like, um, he, he, I just remember his big point was he had a jar and had all these different types of sediment in it, like okay. pebbles and rocks and sand and, you know, diff- different weights of things and, and then water all in water. And he like shook it up <laughs> like in front of the congregation, he's shaking up this jar and then he just kind of sets it on the podium and waits a minute. And then like, you know, slowly the layers of sediment settle. Oh, sure. And he's like, well, look at that. We're, we're looking at this. Um, essentially, a flood just happened in this jar, right? And look what happened. We have all these, this strata of different types of, of rock. And what do we find on planet Earth? We find strata of all these different types of rock, which were all put there by a flood, all at the same time. And he didn't you know, talk at all about, like, um, I'm like the least scientific person in the world, but you know, like carbon dating, I don't sure whatever sure. techniques there are to like actually put some ages on, on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the, it. Ken ham. Okay. He was, yeah, he was a superstar in our house. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So Lordy, I know <laughs> it's, 
It's so interesting, and I don't want to say there's a weird nostalgia and happiness in this eclectic community that mm. we've come from. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, maybe that was part of the point. There is a sense of belonging and a sense of knowing um, that I think then gets out of control, right? And the mm. unknown is fearful or the feeling that someone might say what you think you know is not true or there's another way of looking at it um, makes you pull in tighter, which yeah. I think is one of the <clears throat> issues of the church, mm. you know, this inability to allow progressive thinking essentially and not progressive in like the political sense of the word, sure. but just in general. That, just literally progressing. Right? Like. <laughs> progressing or raising your hand and being skeptical and critical in a way that might redefine the known. And so I try to remind myself of that too, whether I get frustrated or nostalgic <laughs> for yeah. for this world that I lived in for so long that often either response comes from fear and the people that I know and grew up with in this similar setting, that is what is creating, I think, as we're all kind of aging, right? And mm. aging in this world, which is sometimes feels like it's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that. You see these polarized views because we're, um, you know, we, we like that comfort and that space of belonging and knowing. And I think the church, to me more than anything, and for myself, I got caught up in that too. And I guess that kind of goes to that whole community and that feeling of, um, you know, we're all in this and we're all doing all the same things all together, all at once. Um, wow. And there's power in that. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, that is one of the reasons that, I mean, this the, the idea for this podcast even like happened um, is because there is an actual, when you, <laughs> when you finally decide, as I did, to like say... I'm just, I, I can't, I can't associate anymore. Like, I don't believe enough of the things. Mm -hmm. I don't, um, I can't check off enough of the boxes to say I'm a Christian anymore. And I, and, and honestly, for me, I think that would have happened even if um, we weren't in the current version of Christianity. Like, mm -hmm. I just, I just, well, that's a whole other podcast too. But um, uh, there's a, there's a, when you do that, like, there's a, there's a loss, like there's a, you're saying mm -hmm. goodbye to some very significant stuff. And like on the one hand, I was, there was a lot of relief and a lot of like pride actually in being mm -hmm. able to finally like say, okay, like I, I, I can't associate with, with what's happening right now. In, and I don't have to justify it or explain it away. Exactly. I can breathe. Mm -hmm. But man, like th that was my, <laughs> that my was my world. Like all the friendships were there, mm -hmm. all the relationships, the family, all the family's still there. Mm -hmm. Most of the family, a couple, a couple are kind of tracking with me, but, um, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's a, the nostalgia is strong because, mm -hmm. because it was, it was a, absolutely not just a safe haven, but it was, yeah, it was community. It was home. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
completely understand. Yeah. <laughs> well, which is like kind of why we still sometimes geek out over some of that stuff. I mean, stuff, maybe right? the last like, time we saw each other was at Amy Grant. <laughs> I don't know. It was. It was. We were, <laughs> oh, I, I knew who to call too because the extra ticket. Mm-hmm. I, I, we ha, we, I, I had tickets to see Amy Grant at San Diego Symphony Pops. Yeah. Um, yes. And. And seeing her eight times in my life is not enough. Not enough. enough. Oh, not so, enough. No, you're so lucky. I've only seen her. I've literally only seen her twice. Oh, Matthew. Isn't that sad? And both times, like the first time it was, she was doing the tour that was um, the first 20 years of her career. Oh. So a lot of the good stuff, but really, unfortunately for me, like I didn't even get to experience like the real early stuff of Amy. Yeah. Like, like she was, <laughs> this is how, this is how restrictive weirdly restrictive it was in my house sometimes like amy grant was sometimes off limits oh 100 so percent after that divorce yeah yeah exactly and then she married that heathen vince gill i know gosh he God. speaking of heathens vince gill if you'd like to be on this podcast you are welcome <laughs> <laughs> um, amy grant you're welcome too yeah amy, okay. listen yeah we listen, love you both i bought though that the best part of that night well besides hanging out with you was that I bought a t-shirt. Oh, yes. Yeah, you remember that? Her love. Said love will find a way, which is... Yes, her amazing love song. Love will find a way. Mm. I, I probably shouldn't do that. There's probably like copyright things. Um, but yeah, and, and it was in rainbow print, which... That's because Amy Grant is progressive. Amy Grant... Gets it. Circa 1993, <laughs> singing on her Baby Baby album mm. about... We don't know how we got that far. Mm. Do you remember how did we get that far? Of course I do. Of course. Beautiful. Because she knew. She knew she and Gary were on the rocks. She was like low-key feminist too, you know, like oh, hats. 100%. Oh, Jesus. Oh, hats. I love it. Oh, we love, <laughs> love you, Amy. We do. We love we love Amy. That's so great. Yeah. Oh. If you had told, you know, whatever, 1990 Matthew that one day he would be at an Amy Grant concert and buy like a Pride t-shirt, which I guess that's... I'll just go ahead and come out on the first episode of this podcast too. I'm gay. Yeah, you um, are. I yeah, love I am. Uh, Flaming. <laughs> um, although I've come to prefer the term queer, oddly enough, mm. in, in recent months. But we can talk about that later. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, if you had told 1990s Matthew <laughs> that he was going to buy a Pride shirt at an immigrant concert, like, first of all, I would have, like, started praying for you on the spot because that, <laughs> like... <laughs> you could have invited me to that lock-in and I would have prayed with you too. <laughs> Yeah. But you know what? I feel like Amy Grant is the quintessential example Mm. of why I still have belief Mm. in the church. And not, okay, I shouldn't say the church. Actually, I don't have. I The church with a capital C, if you will, not the church with a small c. Yeah. Uh, To put it in a way that I actually really like that my church did once when they were asking me some questions. Actually, when we were dedicating Margot, they were Mm. talking about the church and they did split that. And I liked that because that's so cool. I think that's true, right? There's sort of the church, right? The biblical, in the biblical sense mm-hmm. of who we are and who we are supposed to be to one another. If we're going to so choose to, to believe that and to believe that in scripture. And then there's, you know, church, yeah. small C is what I'm making with my hand. Right. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and I I think that there's the ability for church with the big C to progress mm. and to examine oneself 
especially while interacting with God's people. Mm. And she is a great example, in my opinion, of that, right? And we see it on public display in her 25, 30-year career. Yeah. And... I, yeah. There were some beautiful moments that right? night for me. And it, me part too. of it was the nostalgia and like Absolutely. Being, being able to see that figure from my youth, this person who I totally, you know, fangirled, mm-hmm. like total celebrity crush, like whatever. Yes. Um, talk about, and, and she did it obliquely enough mm-hmm. to wear like any hard line. Right. Um, you yeah. Know, whatever. I, I, I don't even know. Like, yeah. What, granny what, in the front row yeah. isn't going to like stand up and storm out. <laughs> Nobody's going to walk out because it didn't get Fern Gully up in there. Mm, it did but, not get uh, Fern Gully. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it was enough for me to know exactly what she was saying. Right. Absolutely. Like, like is, she, she said, isn't it beautiful how, as we grow and older, like we just, our, our, our understanding gets bigger, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we just have a bigger capacity. And, Absolutely. And I, like, to me, that was, I mean, she might as well have, you know, been waving that pride flag herself. I was just like, thank it. you, Amy. Like, I so needed to hear that from you. Absolutely. Yeah. My parents have moved that way. It's just incredible. Mm. I That's mean, awesome. yeah. I mean, my two parents voted Democrat in the last election. Wait, what? I know. That's awesome. I know. I'm scared to ask my parents how they do Oh, it. don't <laughs> ask if you're scared. My parents <laughs> offered it up. Oh, but, you so know, good. it's so incredible to hear them, Amy Grant themselves, you know, to progress, uh, yes. to like, to listen and to examine. Can we just like make that a thing, world. by the way? A- Amy Grant yeah, yourself? just Amy like, Grant yourself, people. Come on, people. Love will find a way. <laughs> Move on. That's, and that's what it is. But yeah. I do. I think that. So how did you, what, what's your relationship and your, your conversations been like with your parents? How did like. It's been awesome because of, because of. Are they offering that information to you? They freely? are. Oh my God. Yes. They just, I mean, my mom started it back during the election. Mm. Um, I just, I never thought I would hear some of the things that were coming out of her mouth about Hillary Clinton happen, but she just, she felt like the woman had a plan and she liked the plan and she was going to vote for her. And I'm just like, you go, Jean Wiley. At 64, (laughs) you've become a feminist. Welcome. Ah, That is amazing. It, It was, it was beautiful to realize that at that age and after a lifetime, my parents are intelligent, kind, loving people who are going to open their eyes. And when they're confronted with something that does not fit mm-hmm. rather than being hateful or being exclusionist, mm. they're going to examine and they're going to assess and they're going to put it in the lens of actual love and care and grace. That's, and they're going to come out the other side and be like, oh, yeah, we voted for Hillary Clinton. That is. I, it was incredible. Just even being able to, like, talk about it in terms of, like, her plan and, like, what. She, like, yes. Like, because that is that's so merit based. Right. Like, that's so like these are the qualities that make her a good candidate Absolutely. as opposed to. Um, not to throw any of my family members under the bus, but I definitely had conversations that were like, well, I'm sorry, I just cannot vote for... Sorry, uh, this is wine pouring. Yes, pour it. Actually. I'm listening. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the last of mine too. Please do. That was a serious and, moment. I apologize. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I had um, 
conversations where where it was just about I can't vote for Hillary because of the abortion thing, like exclusively and solely because she's she pro abortion. Which, by the way, she's just like pro you know women's rights, like yeah, pro choice. <laughs> but, but that's not even that's not even like the conversation that I can have because it's just about it. it oh, it's good chalkboard. Good. So we're drinking chalkboard red blend. 2015. Dear chalkboard makers, if you would like to send us some free wine for this infomercial <laughs> about your your delicious Today's red blend of, of heathen is sponsored by <laughs> chalkboard. We'll accept it. All right. No, I know what you mean though, and that's it's it saddens me that maybe my parents are fewer and farther between than I would like to believe, but but it. It, it, there was hope, man. Oh, and it gives me hope because right? yeah, I haven't experienced as much of that in, with the people that I know. It was, it was a really incredible thing, and my same thing with my dad. Even to the point where my dad is moving more towards a, at least saying that maybe he sh- doesn't have all the answers or shouldn't weigh in on something like abortion. It's ridiculous. Oh my I love God. it, but again, it's it's a bit of that personal experience too. They had. Um, some friends who had sort of a tragedy with a baby that had mm. some um, was born with some severe disabilities. Mm. And, you know, I think being confronted with the understanding that these are all very personal, unique situations and a one size fits all church mandate mm. doesn't necessarily feel right. Yeah. When looking at the face of a, a friend and who's going through a tragedy, yeah. I applaud my parents and I aspire to be like them and in the way that they are willing to put the brakes on and say, hmm, maybe this is not what I always thought it was. <sighs> Let me take a pause. And um, it is. It's a beautiful thing. And... Even church or not, right? Mm-hmm. I hope that that's my continual like <laughs> path and journey, I'm, and that I don't get stuck in one place with this is right and this is wrong because is it's so, cool, so cool. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just like I'm 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 deeply moved. I'm Aww. deeply moved. That is awesome. Awesome. My parents love you. Yeah. So. My um, I've had you know the election. Uh, Good and bad um, okay. <laughs> things Discussion. Came, mm-hmm. came from that uh, in terms of my relationship with my family, but mostly good. Um, but the the con- I, I I can't say the conversations with my mom were that like uh, inspiring and hopeful necessarily. But she um, she opened herself up to me in ways that that I hadn't experienced uh, prior to that, and and. Um, I mean, I, I walked, I walked away from several of our conversations feeling like, okay, like there's like, she went, she was in a book group, right? Which that's a whole other thing that was like part of our friendship that I we haven't it. talked about yet, but she was in a book group that I, I don't even know like how she got in this book group or what the, <laughs> what the book was that she read, but it was a book that apparently was uh, tracking <clears throat> the history of um, slavery in America, telling that story. And she she completely like initiated the conversation and offered all this information about her changing understanding of of what the black experience in America is 
today uh, based on this book that she had read. Huge. Yeah, it was it was huge. Um, and and I mean, my my family was like the classic like, to, you know, like not a, a hint of uh, any intentional racism or ill will whatsoever. But you know, all of our friends were white. Like mm-hmm. there was one black family in our school uh, mm. when I when I was there. Um, uh, and, and that was actually the family that she talked about in this conversation with me. She was like, I never, I never, it never crossed my mind that Mr. Freeman would have had to like talk to his kids about how to interact with police or how mm. to present themselves in certain situations. Like I never had to do that with you. Like mm-hmm. that was just not something we had to worry about. And, and that like, just that moment alone was like huge for me because I'm like, Oh my God, like my mom, I didn't have that conversation with my mom. I didn't right? say anything. She just, at, even at her age was able to take in information mm-hmm. and really process it and look at it through a personal lens of yep. people that she knew and cared about and would never want to have, you know, an experience like this. Mm-hmm. And Yep. It changes. It totally does. And it's it's a little bit honestly shaming to me because I'm like like to think for me to think that like my mom is incapable of of experiencing something like that is actually really like bullheaded of no. me. Um it, yeah, the, I, like there's there's certainly a cultural like bullheadedness out sure. there for sure that I that I'm and that's what I'm responding to. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I see, you know, on Twitter like absolutely so for me to like assume that my mom is going to be like the trolls on Twitter like that's kind of you know that's my bad um and she's probably going to listen to this this podcast (laughs) I'm realizing she loves me very much and I love her too and she's she wants to support me in all the ways so mom thank you for understanding that uh this conversation is you know I love you (laughs) (laughs) I feel like in general though that's that is the tragedy and the hope, right? Yeah, yeah. That we all kind of come at things with our own lens and we're all scared mm. <laughs> that especially the people that we love are not going to get it and understand where we're coming from and be on that same page. And that's kind of back to the whole, that power in this group think and this group mentality mm-hmm. But it's also the hopefulness that when we see something like that happen with our parents or with our friends, that I believe that we're going to get through this really yeah. rocky time. Yes. I yeah, hope we for will. my kid. Oh, right. <laughs> let's, let's be better. How, I, I can't even, I can't even imagine. God. I, 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 God help us be like Mrs. Williams <laughs> and the Wileys. Right? Lordy. Yes. Yes. Um, she, she, my, my mom makes, uh, her grandkids call her Miss Susan. Miss Susan. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Not Mrs. Williams. No, sorry. I think it's the cutest thing. Miss Susan. <laughs> um, Not grandma. No, I know. Okay. Cause I think, I think because her mother's still living, so she's mama. And I just think my mom never, she didn't want to be mama. She, so she's like, okay. just call me Miss Susan. She was a teacher. Was yeah. she Miss Susan as yeah, a teacher? She, okay. Well, she's. She was Madame or Senora because she teaches French and Spanish. Oh, I yeah. like it. Yeah, so I don't know where the Miss Susan came from, but it's, it's Miss Susan. I like it. My yeah. mom is Grammy. Aww. This day and age, man, everybody picks their own names. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, it was just Grandma and then also Grandma. <laughs> what and, and but Grammy is what Margot calls her. Uh huh. Oh. 
I mean, Margaret doesn't call her anything because she's one. Words are still a a, a challenge, but. Not even one, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, okay, Grammy. Soon to be one, right, this week? Soon to be one. Happy birthday, I know, but she mostly likes to say the word banana and bubble. (laughs) She's really into bees. Where does she get banana from? Because she eats bananas and she really loves them. So in the mornings, it's just like, nana. Like everyone, she's yeah. She, I, I only hung out with her for like five minutes, but she's like the most spirited little thing. Ever. Oh, she's a sass monster. She's wow. my kid. I know. Where does she get that from? Oh Lord, help us. <laughs> so what? At, at what point? Because so, you grew up in this world and you mm-hmm. had this experience and and felt safe in your community, I would assume. Mm -hmm. So like at what point did that start to transition or change? Or like, when did you start to see a world beyond, you know, the Dr. Dobson land that we grew up in and, and what did that do to you? Mm. So I went to college, a good Christian college, Point Loma Nazarene University, mm. and What's I... What's the mascot at Pialinia? Oh, sadly, it's now the sea lion. The sea lion? <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, oh you laugh now. The, oh, oh. oh. Oh, if only, Matthew. Oh, no. What? We are a lion of Zion rising <gasps> from the sea. No, stop oh, it. Oh, full mane. Stop it. Full mane. You're not Imagine even... yourself <laughs> in the lion, the witch, in the wardrobe. <laughs> and if Aslan <laughs> rose from the sea. But but, it's... but sea lions are a real animal. I know. So it begs the so question. So why don't you call it like the ocean lion or something? I don't like you, like you had anything to do with it. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> but I will give, once again, shout out for the, to the progressives. When I arrived, we were the crusaders. And oh, we did realize well, that that, that was pretty bad. That needed to change. You know what? We'll take the sea lion with the full man <laughs> rising out of the sea. <laughs> Once I understand the context, I, you know, I'm all yeah. about it. Go I mean, sea lions. You know, go sea lions. Yeah. Rawr. Rawr. Okay. Um, so I went to college, and when I got into the speech and debate team um, there on scholarship, the collegiate speech and debate world is extremely liberal, extremely progressive. Most of the schools that we competed against in our division were not Christian schools, and the type of debate that I was doing uh, is called parliamentary debate, parliamentary style debate. And so you receive resolution topics to compete against another team on. um, And they're typically current event topics. Mm. So you're talking about global political issues oftentimes, um, or you're talking about social issues oftentimes, and sometimes they're one and the same. Yeah. So being confronted with these topics and these arguments day in and day out really started to expand, I think, my understanding of a lot of the world and the fact that the world that I'd been living in and the group think that I'd been establishing my whole life was um, really antithetical to what else was out there. Mm. Um, I don't know that it necessarily turned me away from what I'd grown up with, but it certainly expanded my thought process and um, forced me to make decisions about whether or not I felt things were true or whether or not I felt things had been told to me Mm. um, in some real ways, which was wonderful because I think it was a safe setting to start to examine issues. Do I believe that... 
homosexuality is wrong because I was told it was wrong, because I genuinely believe it. If I genuinely believe it, where have I experienced it? Mm. Does that experience feel truly wrong or not? Mm-hmm. And being able to, and and really then what's the impact of that too? What's the outcome? Does that mean that I'm never going to expose myself to relationships or friendships where somebody is a homosexual, believes that homosexuality isn't wrong, you know, taking it to its logical end um, and having to sit in that. That's what debate teaches you, right? Don't even just think about it. Think about the impact of it. Um, Really started to push me to say, so much of what you think you know, you've never even experienced. And when you experienced it, what do you know? What do you know now? Hmm. Um, and so I think for issues of things like, you know, the big no's of the church, for lack of a better way to put yes. it, right? So homosexuality, sex before marriage, um, I don't know, yeah. you know, it's abortion, abortion, abortion. Sure. um, being a Democrat. <laughs> um, <laughs> dancing and not leaving room dancing, for Jesus. Dancing, yes, yep. right? Those types of things, um, you know, making money and not giving mm. it all to God. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it, it was it was all those things that you felt like, okay, let me try the debate lens on. Let me see where that fits. Let me see wow. how that fits. Um, that's where I started to think about these things, I think. That's fascinating. I also think, meeting new people (laughs) once again, the whole community. And, you know, I moved a lot when I was a kid, but we were still very insular, Mm -hmm. you know, in this kind of ready-made community on military bases. And so not to say the Point Loma was not this small Christian university, but at the same time, um, I was away from my home, away from my family, kind of making my own friends um, in a way that, you know, wasn't, you know, oh, we live near you or we go to the same church or or what have you. So um, that helped too. I met people who had different opinions and different views. That is, that alone is such a, because I had, that's my exact same story too. Like we, I knew the same people my whole life until I turned 18 and and went to school. And 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 similar to you, I went to a small, smaller than Peel and you, I I went to a a 600 um, student body uh, (laughs) King College, I think it's yes. now King University in Tennessee, um, uh, for a couple years, and it I that was the first time in my life I met anybody who remotely like was well, I, I mean, <laughs> so in in high school at my Christian school, it was like the Presbyterians. That's who I like, you know, butted heads with <laughs> because right. we had different you know <laughs> theological like <laughs> beliefs. So that 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 was the extent of my. <laughs> oh, they're different than, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Calvinists. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so then I go to, again, it was as a Presbyterian school, mm-hmm. but it was there all kinds of folks there. And, um, and that was my first time meeting anybody who ha- had even remotely different beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best lifelong friends, uh, the first time we had a serious conversation in college, I learned that she believed in evolution, which we've already talked about. So, you know, that that was just a no, no. You didn't get to jar together and shake it up for her (laughs) to explain how ridiculous that is. Missed opportunity. (laughs) I could have saved her then and there. Oh gosh. Instead she converted me and now, you know, there you go. 
Yeah, so any heathen, but yeah, like just meeting meeting absolutely people with stories that weren't like ninety eight percent identical to your own. I know. So it it was amazing to be allowed to free think, you know. Mm. And and does that mean that everything that I grew up with went out the door? Absolutely not. But at the very least, the things I was going to keep (laughs) as beliefs were going to be my own. They're going to be tested and examined Mm. in a way that and I shouldn't say I didn't feel like I had the freedom to do because maybe I did in some ways even growing up but um it didn't occur to me Mm. yeah yeah the first the first opportunity really right it just didn't occur to to me and and why everybody around me felt the same and if they didn't there were a lot of good reasons why we shouldn't be friends anyways and you know those sorts of excuses sort of fall to the wayside as you age and grow up and Mm -hmm. at least for me that's you know that's really when it started to change I think when I met my now husband he was definitely going through a spiritual hiccup (laughs) we'll use that word I like that We'll say hiccup. Um, He had grown up really similarly to us and um, was feeling at best agnostic when we started dating. Mm. And which that would have been a huge no no for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unequally yoked. Unequally. Unequally yoked, Matthew. Yeah. See, Um, here's the moral of the story don't send your kids to college (laughs) because (laughs) they're going to learn about evolution. They're going to date an atheist or an agnostic. And it's going to be crazy. It's all downhill from there. I know. I know. So I think, um, yeah, <laughs> just realizing he was also grappling and struggling with questions and, and wanting it to be, if it was going to be true, he wanted it to be truth, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting, an interesting concept to me. When yeah. we got married, he was still struggling and my dad married us. And my father, during our vow repeating, instead of saying, till death do us part, my dad's version was, as long as God shall give me life, or something like that. Mm. I'm paraphrasing. So Zach says, in his repetition, as long as I shall have life. Oh, wow. I mean, it was super smooth. I'll give him that. It wasn't like a (laughs) horrible (laughs) falter where everyone was like, like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> However, I remember getting this back really from the, our honeymoon. The moment you want to make this statement, right? Right. We're just put up planting our flag <laughs> in the hill right now. Um, Love it. And uh, I remember my dad talking to me mm, weeks later after the honeymoon or whatever, and he says, "Hey, you know, I had a question." <laughs> <laughs> it's like during the ceremony when you were reciting vows. You know, Zach said, and, you know, repeats, and he's like, was that on purpose? Mm. And I'm like. Back to you into a corner. Right? I said, Dad, you're going to have to talk to Zach about that. Oh, look at you. That's good. That's the right answer. And when Zach talked to me about it, I don't know that my dad ever asked him. He said, well, I felt like these vows were sacred. Mm. So everything I said, Mm. I wanted to be 100% true. That's beautiful. And I wasn't sure. And that's why we And at that Zach. point, I was like, I can't really fault you for it. Yep. I'll take it. Good stuff. 
fast Same. forward, we go to church together now. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> so th- that's actually phenomenal because that <laughs> is the next, d- and, and, and we can wrap this up mm. shortly. Oh, we've been talking for a good this first episode is going to be very robust. Um, <laughs> Feel free to edit. Free. Yeah, we, we might we might chunk it down. I'm definitely taking that out because I just said chunk it down. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a thing. So that will be edited out. <laughs> and edit. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, let's talk about now. Like what? So, so you guys go to church. What is your spiritual life like now? What um, if, if you have a framework of belief mm-hmm. like what do you believe um <clears throat> we do Zach and I had a long road you know this Matthew um our marriage you know we married young mm-hmm. we we're foolhardy in a lot of ways but that's we, what you do when we, you that's what you do you. when yeah. you're a good evangelical Christian Joshua Harris I kiss dating goodbye <laughs> no um, amen and amen. Amen and amen. No, we, um, you know, we, we exactly though. We married young. Um, it was a mistake, but it was definitely, definitely the harder path, mm-hmm. you know, to, to grow up together, which let's be real. When you get married that young, you do, um, means that you grow apart and hopefully you can get back around. And yeah. we did, but, um, one of the things that we struggled with is, you know, Zach drinking too much and doing drugs. And, um, you know, it came to a point where I did not know what to do besides go Mm. and, or demand, you know, some sort of program. And Zach actually found, or we found, I don't remember exactly how it was, but we found a church running a celebrate recovery program, which is basically like AA, but it, so it walks through all the same types of steps, but it does it with sort of a spiritual bent. And when he got involved with that, um, you know, and there were a couple of different churches cause he was going to multiple <laughs> meetings at the time. It really brought him back to a place where I think he recognized that self reliance became self dependent on Mm. substances and on some other things that weren't going to solve the problem. Um, And his walk back, I guess, to a place where he recognized that there is a higher power and um, someone to believe in, something Mm. to believe in Mm. that was going to help him and help us. Um, was the the other ingredient outside of the program that I think he recognized that he needed. Um, NA or AA was not going to be enough for some of the other things that he had to to deal with. And I think similarly for me, you know, to mm. stay with him was going to require more than just, you know, the being afraid not to stay. Yeah. It was going to, to be in love with him again was going to require more and tapping into something stronger than myself was going to be the only thing that <clears throat> was going to save us. Mm. And so that really brought us back to a place where it was like, if there's ever a time to decide, do I believe that there's hope outside of myself, <laughs> something greater than myself? 
Um, if I do, then I think we can get through this. That was probably our real spiritual moment, like mm-hmm. the realness of, you know, we always say, you know, trust God or, you know, he, you know, he's never going to give you more than you can handle or, um, you know, he is greater than you are. Mm. Um, it, it was true. And, and maybe in <laughs> a small sort of twisted way, I remember Zach's mom saying once to me when I felt like the trust was so eroded and I did not know, she said something about prayer. And I said, I don't know how to pray mm. for this. And she said that you have to pray that if Jesus loves you, that he does not want you to be in this, like in this place, and he will reveal truth to you. Hmm. Like you cannot live in this constant paranoia if you believe in God. Instead of believing in God means I can't get divorced and it's not the Christian thing to do. So Jesus helped me get through it. It was like, and I probably didn't explain that well, but it was like this revealing moment of maybe Christ is about loving me so much that he's devastated about the way I feel right now. Mm. And maybe my prayer changes to be, if you really love me the way I'm supposed to believe you love me, you'll give me the real desire of my heart, which is just truth. I just want the truth. Mm. And I remember that was just my prayer. Like, if you love me, you'll just show me the truth. Not you'll fix Zach or you'll fix our marriage or you'll show me how to be a good wife and stay with him. But it was just like, just show me you love me by telling me the truth. And it was such a revealing moment. It was that for sure was like, my real salvation moment in a lot of ways because I believed it in that moment. Like there was a piece of that's really God for me, at least that's really God. God is not everything else. Like when I really stripped it all down, it was like, know me, see me, show me the truth, what I need. And that will feel like love to me. That is, I mean, I can feel the, the, the power behind that. Like, it was ridiculously <laughs> just like, oh my gosh, after 20 some years, like that is what my faith will be. Because for 20 some years, mm-hmm. it, truth had not been a value, right? Like, like it's not, mm-hmm. it's not highly valued to, t- I mean, and <clears throat> when we're talking exactly. about the truth here, I think we're talking about, I, I, I don't want to put words right. in your mouth, but like, I, I, for me, for me, what I hear when when, uh, when you say that, like, I spent most of my the first half of my life, uh, you know, living two separate lives, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the 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 the, the life that was uh, coming to terms with uh, who, my sexual identity, and then the life that I, the person I presented to that that world around me, the same people, the people I knew, you know first 18 years of my life truth nobody wanted the truth from me or at least I didn't I didn't feel that growing up that was not that was not (laughs) right and truth are two different things Uh, sometimes thank you yes you just said it yeah right and truth are two different things wow that is really cool thank you thank you Leah this has been like 
we've been <laughs> we've been going for a long time, much longer than uh, I wanted to make you do this. So thank you for being game and uh, putting yourself out there. And it's always great to talk to you. It's so good to talk to you. I know. Thanks. We covered I a feel lot of honored. ground, actually. Like, I mean, it's like a year has not even passed. Let's be real. That's yeah. That's so true. We we're 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 Amy Granting. We're Amy Granting. Yeah. We're just progressing. It's we are no big deal. Progressing and expanding, and our capacity is growing, and it's beautiful. It is. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. <laughs> Thank you for being my first guest. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for listening to Heathen. I'll be back next week with a new guest. In the meantime, take a minute to follow Heathen on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The handle is at Heathen Podcast. You can also visit the website at heathenpodcast.com to learn more about this project. Send your comments or questions, and I'll talk about them on an upcoming episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, I'd really appreciate your five-star review on iTunes. It makes a big difference for a new podcast like this. I'm Matthew Blake. Here's to the heathens.